What's going on, Trophy Kids? It is the college episode. It's a good one. We're going to take a recap of the college landscape, use this time in somewhat of a down week to kind of go through all what's going on in college football. We got a great breakdown of an absolute war that is heading to Michigan here in the next couple weeks. Um, and then we're going to give some games, and we're going to talk about some games this week, give out some picks. It's a good one. Let's roll. Welcome Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is October 15th. We are back for the college football episode. No Tim today, but Dante is on. How are we doing today? Good, sir? I am doing well. How are you? Doing good. It's Nate and Dante's show. It's uh, it's a good day to record a podcast. Had an awesome, awesome watching football time, but yes. man, are we down bad from a, from a betting picking standpoint. I am... <laughs> Things are going bad, and by bad, I mean they're going miserable. I am not seeing the board clearly. It's so bad. Like, I was going to tell Tim, because Tim's known me a little bit longer in, in my gambling habits, but you know it's bad when there is a Wake Forest-Syracuse game, and Syracuse is a dog, and a pretty decent dog, and I don't pick it. Like, I haven't, I don't think I've missed an opportunity. It's like BC. Like, that's my team. I always bet Syracuse in a very big dog space and have an opportunity to bet against Wake Forest. Like, my girlfriend came over, and on Saturday night, she was like, who'd you who'd you take this week? And I went through with my list. She's like, you didn't take Syracuse? I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even look at it. Like, I'm just not seeing the board at all at this point. It's it's bad. I'm only winning at a 47% clip in the college. But NFL, we're we're at 56%, so not too bad there. Yeah, we'll bounce back. Yeah, we're, we're keeping even with that. The Degenerate Report, which, by the way, for our listeners, if you're not familiar with it, it's a blog I post on badnewsmedia.com every Saturday. We are 62% in that. It's my three best college picks, three best NFL picks each week. So make sure you're checking out that. We have some things to talk about in college football. We had yep. that that might have been the best week I've seen in a while. Like that week, this last week we had a college football was awesome from kickoff at noon till the end of the day with Michigan Nebraska, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Awesome, awesome football day. Absolutely. And I learned the name of Texas AM's kicker, like everyone <laughs> else did in the country. And I think that the Bearcats owe him some money or owe them at least a thank you for probably securing their spot in the college football playoffs. A whole lot of cases of beer need to be headed down to Texas A&M or something. Gift baskets, yeah. fruit baskets, edible arrangements, something needs to be Everything. headed down there. Um, yeah, Seth, Seth Small put up a 28-yarder to vanquish Alabama. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, this is a good time. We're going to, the way this is going to be a little different episode because the week stinks. We're just going to take a recap, a time to breathe in, like a, a fine aroma, what the, the college football landscape has looked like here. This is a good, very good segment here. Alabama moves to five. Uh -huh. If I were to tell you any other team, let's say Iowa, was to lose to an unranked three and two team, would they be in the top five still? No, they'd be done. They would be like 12, no, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Alabama gets the biggest... Like, people are out here starting to make the argument, like, Alabama has to win out now. Like, if they're a two-loss team, they lose to Georgia in the SEC Championship, they made it to the SEC Championship, and they get there, they should be nowhere close to playoff. I've heard arguments on other sports shows that they're still getting in, and that would be the biggest sham of shams if we let Alabama into the... two losses? Yeah, two losses. No. Not no. a chance, right? Here's, here's why they can't get in with two losses. Uh, I know Alabama is is everybody's darling, whatever. The Big Ten, all right, 
owns the number two spot, the number six spot, the number seven spot, the number eight spot, and the tenth spot. The SEC owns the number one spot. And this is currently at, was this week seven? Yeah. Um, the number five spot, the number eleven spot. So by just by what we've heard, um, the pickers at the college football playoffs say again, it's about those quality losses, right? And yep. whoever is in the Big Ten, even if they take a loss, which there's a chance that they won't, right? Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, well, Penn State has already lost, or Iowa. Um, there's the number 17, the number 18, the number 10, the number 10 team, or a team potentially that if you're in Ohio State, I beat the number two team in the, the championship, the number 17, the number 18, and then team and a number 10 team that's a better resume that alabama has 100 just based just based on where they're ranked in week seven and the players and this is going the other thing about this is it's inevitable for the big 10 these teams are going to beat up on each other Correct. and still have a better resume than losing to three and two <laughs> texas, yeah. A&M. texas a&m who has now jumped obviously because they beat alabama so they're going to get ranked to 21 like that's a no-brainer yeah. but they're unranked at the time they're three two team they're a bad football team they win that game and it it's to the point and we i think we deserve credit on this show because you know people out here like danny canal and stuff are out there like all oh, the whole media was just assuming things as i was and it's like no we were pretty honest on this show like you shouldn't assume anything coming into this season especially that alabama was just going to step in and be good and we kind of yeah. crowned them after that miami game a little bit in the sports media but we were pretty upfront, unless my memory is cloudy here that like it ain't an easy road they still have holes in this team we saw it in florida when they traveled to the swamp and they almost went to overtime we saw it here like they're bad on the road and they have a lot of flaws that they have to try to overcome now that's not to say their their dreams are completely squashed because they could win out and then they're in but like has an issue that i watch every week at michigan state but i think it's an issue across the country and i think we've talked about this before that secondary is not that great. It's got some holes. And so if you, yeah. So if you have a quarterback that's willing to sling it and throw long balls, you're going to score. And we saw that, like when Alabama went up, uh, Texas A&M went back out there and scored. Yep. No, it's true. And and the offensive line isn't like a, a standard Alabama offensive yeah. line. Like Bryce Young's it's getting okay. Yeah. Yeah. They they have issues there. Like this is not a an imp, this is a this is not a perfect Alabama team. This isn't an Alabama team of years past, and we should not credit them. As a team, we shouldn't just give them credit. It's college football. This isn't the NFL. You have giant turnover year to year. Like the Alabama shouldn't just get a brain name recognition year in and year out when they're in a down year. And this happens every once in a while. Like college goes is cyclical. Like every mm-hmm. once in a while we cycle out and they'll be good again, but where like teams are just down. And that's what's happening this year. It's why I made the argument to start the season that this is the best chance that we I think we all agreed at the time. Like we agree, we agreed to varying degrees as to how it actually worked out. I've been pretty adamant that UC is going to make it, but that if a you year, st- you have. if there's a year that a team that is not a power five team is going to make it, this is the year because of it's, the turnover. This year, yeah. Like, it's so weird to think about because technically a power five team has made it. Notre Dame. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> We're not. I'm not counting them. They're they're. We don't count Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. Day. Yeah. Um. um it's weird. You have been on Cincy this whole time. Did you take Cincy to win at the beginning of the year as like one of your bets? I made a prop bet that they would make the the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs. I forget the odds okay. I got. I put like literally like 
half a unit on. Like I put almost nothing on it, but I did take a prop bet that they would make it this year. They are currently ranked three. I think that's the highest that any non-Power 5 team has been ranked uh, in the CFP. Uh, I believe, yes, that is correct. Yeah, and I mean, as they should be. They're they're deserving of that spot right now. Now, their resume's taking a beating, but, like, they returned a lot of guys. they front-loaded their stuff. Yeah, and you can only beat who you have on the schedule. These schedules are made so far in advance, and they're beating teams. And they, you know, say whatever you will about Notre Dame and Indiana. They went on the road for those games. Those weren't home games. That's a challenge in and of itself to go to South Bend, to go to to Indiana um, in Hoosier country. Like, those are, they're good wins. I mean, they're not as good as some of these other teams, but, like, they deserve to be in the conversation as they are. Yeah, I am still in the camp of I don't believe in Cincinnati, but I have nothing to say bad against them. You know. Yeah. (laughs) And they could drop a game. Easily, yeah. but like it's one of those games like they could end up in the same spot that Michigan State was in twenty fifteen, where like you go up against Georgia, right, yeah. and just get the doors blown Dude, off of you. As it is right now, though, I would love like if it were to end today, a UC, a UC Iowa game would be hilarious to oh, watch. That, that is point. <laughs> that you know what. The powers that be wouldn't let that game happen. No, not no, a they shot. They wouldn't let that, that game happen. <laughs> no, they'd put UC at four and have them play Georgia if, if the playoffs yeah. were today and they'd move Oklahoma to, to three. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they would do. That's what I would do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, Cincinnati versus – first of all, no one's going to – Not this is no offense to Iowa or Cincinnati or their fan bases. No one's going to watch that game. No, God, no. No, <laughs> like I'll watch it, but no, nobody who's yeah, not addicted. I'm going to watch it too, yeah, but like no, the casual, co- yeah, the addicted like loves the sport of college football. They're tuning in, but that's a small demographic. Where this is not yeah. driving revenue. Um, no, no, but you definitely watch Oklahoma, Iowa. Yeah, hell yeah, you would, you and you'd watch, watch George. You'd watch the rematch of Georgia UC from last year and yes. watch Georgia yeah. kick the living crap out of them. <laughs> Yeah, can we talk? Can we switch gears and talk about Georgia for a second? Are, Absolutely. Is, this is a scary team, right? Yep. I said it like two or three <laughs> weeks ago. They're the best team in the country at this point, and they were going to beat Alabama, which I'm looking more and more. But they're they're the most complete team in college football right now, in my opinion. And the, what is bad about Georgia from the uh, SEC sense, like you should you should be afraid, is not only are they getting better, but they're getting healthier. Yes. That's been the biggest point that I've been trying to make. Like we're at, like you're you're asking them to make a pizza right now, and all they have is bread and sauce. Like they're going to be getting the cheese back and all the other toppings. Like it's ready to roll there. Um, it's scary what they've got going for them. Yeah, like uh, if they're playing Kentucky this week, as much as I like Kentucky, right? As much as they're like a spunky team, yeah. and like you want to, I just don't see what they're going to do with Georgia. It's not going to be good. And we'll, we'll get to them in, in a minute because yeah. we're, we're going to keep it big picture for right now. But yeah, no, I just, I don't see a, I don't see a, like Georgia is their worst enemy at this point. Like they yes. are their worst enemy. They are the most complete football team. They're the, they're elite, elite on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball is rolling with a backup quarterback right now who's playing very well to his credit and stepped in. But they're going to get JT Daniels back at some point. They're going to get Pickens back at some point. Darnell Washington's only getting healthier. Like it's just, they're a problem. Um, yes. Also, we'll kind of switch gears because we'll talk about a bunch here, but I think the Big Ten needs needs a spotlight as we talk about the big picture of things because, as you mentioned, absolutely dominant in the top ten rankings as far as who's represented there. 
I like the 90s. Yeah, it really is. And this is something we've been talking about for a couple of years now. If you're new to the show, we've we've been harping that like while the SEC gets all this praise cuz they do they do the best job of marketing themselves in the world. Like they could have they could have the most down year ever which they're kind of having this year. And like we still think like they're the best football conference, but the Big 10 has been consistently getting stronger and stronger and stronger um year in and year out. And this 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 year you have undefeated Michigans in Michigan State and Michigan at this point in the season. You have a Penn State team that honestly was probably going to be I took Iowa it cashed, but like if Sean Clifford doesn't go down, they probably beat Iowa, which is the number two team in the country. You have Iowa, which is the number two team in the country, playing lights out defense in an archaic form of offense, which is unfortunate. Um, you have Ohio State who drops a game to Oregon, but Oregon's a great football team um, or a good football team. And they're getting stronger. Like it's it's yeah, really coming down. Like this next couple months is going to be a lot of fun in the Big Ten. Yeah, for CJ, the office seems office seems to be coming together a little bit for him. Yep, I think that O line uh, is finally playing with confidence. Although I hate like cliches like that, but that's the, that's the only thing I can really say. No, it's 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 fair. <laughs> yeah, um, and then of course Michigan, Michigan State, like. A war is coming to Michigan. There is going to be a war in a couple weeks in East Lansing. Before we get there, though, let's talk about the scare that uh, Michigan had in Nebraska. Um, At this point, Scott Frost is the best, has the best worst team in the nation, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, This game was like, this game is the best baseline game for Michigan. I have some thoughts on this, but yeah, 100%. I mean, he is also, he's what, like 5 and 16 in one score games? Like, terrible, but they are. You can't coach in one score games. I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, and to his credit, Adrian Martinez. There's a couple things about that Michigan Michigan game that jumps off the page. Without talking about Michigan, to we'll we'll keep it on Nebraska. Nebraska got a little screwed by officiating, but like was in a like we can't put that on like you know no, Michigan. In a position to win. Yeah, you two had two two times exactly. So you yeah. can't blame it on officiating. Like you got bad calls in the first half and stuff, but can't blame it on that. I am honestly surprised that they didn't call him down, like uh, stop a forward progress there. But you just got to go down in that situation. You got to be yes. smarter than that. And then yeah. you got to make better play calling at the end. Like Scott Frost's play calling on that last drive, that screen pass on third and 10 was atrocious. Um, Adrian Martinez doesn't step into the throw on second down. He had a guy out across. Like it's just, they just shoot themselves yeah. in the foot constantly. Yeah. And Michigan, I know I just talked about like having a problem in secondary. Michigan is one of the few teams where their secondary has like kind of figured it out. Very and- much so. Yeah, and their defense is like I, I can't sit here and lie and say like oh their defense is nothing no that defense is real and it's just one of those things with Nebraska where you literally just wait till Nebraska beats themselves it happened in Michigan State it happened when Michigan came to t- you just wait it happened in the Illinois game yep you literally just wait for Nebraska to beat themselves wait for Scott Frost to make some boneheaded decision to win because. I feel like if you put another coach in that position, Nebraska wins that game. Not easily, but they win that game. No, yeah. I don't disagree. The play calling is probably or a little bit better. Or at least it goes to over. You know, they they score better, and then it goes to over something. But, yeah. It sucks for the— I rewatched that game on Tuesday night. Tuesday, yeah. And I was still just shocked that Nebraska lost that game because it's like, damn, dude. I wanted that for Nebraska. Um, I wanted Nebraska— Nebraska being good again is really good. Like, watching that game and seeing Michigan good— in Nebraska, really good, but the record not f- reflecting it was awesome, especially for Big Ten in football. Like, just that yeah. scene at night was awesome. And I want them to be back, but they're just not there. They're super competitive. They just can't finish and close out games. 
Um, and that's on Scott Frost on ultimately. Um, it's on Adrian Martinez to be smarter. He, you know, he isn't a freshman. He's been in the system yeah. for a while. He, you know, it's just being smarter. But damn, did Nebraska almost have that? And to Michigan's credit, they pulled out. They got a tough win. They stuck in there. They won it. Yes. That's a game that you know some other Michigan that's team. That's a game that Jim Harbaugh loses if this was last year or the year before that. Yep. Um, yeah. Now. And- they their personnel stepped up when they needed to. They have the best like one two combo in backs with uh, Haskins and Quorum. Um, yep. They still have not figured out this quarterback situation, which I think is going to be their downfall in East Lansing. But that's just you know I'm a homer, so yeah. But I do I do think that it's going. It has not cost them yet. No. They have not played good competition. Now, granted, I will say that Michigan and Michigan State resumes are very, very similar. And Oh, you guys are the Spider-Man the gift only... looking at each other. You guys are way yeah. more similar than I think either one of your yeah, fan bases wants to acknowledge at this point. Yes, no, and I will acknowledge <laughs> that. And so I will not sit here and say either of these teams have played a great team. I both They beat Washington. We beat Miami. So let's watch that. Mm-hmm. We both play Rutgers. We both play Nebraska. They're going to play Northwestern. Uh, we play India. So, like, the, it's very, very similar. I I think the difference is we don't know who our quarterback is, and they're still trying to figure it out. They know who their quarterback is, and I think they're making the wrong choice. I agree with that sentiment. Um, and they, Their bye week, as a Michigan fan, your bye week came at the perfect time because you just had the yes. best baseline test for your team in the Nebraska game, and there was good and bad. It was a complete mixed bag of stuff in there. There's a lot of good. It's in the right direction, but there's still some bad stuff that needs to clean, uh, clean up. I agree. The quarterback situation is interesting because here's what I noticed. I noticed, for the most part, Michigan's offensive line does a very good job of keeping him clean. The only time they seem to have issues is when you throw in a little wrinkle. You have a delayed blitz or an exotic blitz or you do a stun on the defensive line or you know you do something a little bit creative. They sometimes miss it, but for the most part, they keep him clean. So he has a clean pocket to operate in. He's not a guy that takes a ton of risks, so that's good. You know He's not turning over the ball a ton. He's taking what the defense gets him, but he struggles a lot trying to push the ball down the field. Like all his big yeah. throws, like even the, you know, he missed on a ton. He forced a couple throws deep that were just bad. On that free play he has, he threw a terrible ball to the end zone that ended up getting picked, but it was a free play because they jumped off sides. And then the play he did have that was explosive down the field, I don't even know if that guy caught it. Like there wasn't a replay. It was called a catch. He he had him wide open, didn't him in stride, overthrew him. He had to make a leaping catch. I thought the ball might have forced it, the ground might have forced the ball out, but it's neither here nor there. He made, the catch was called. That's yeah, a problem. He also can't, he's not very mobile. No, either. exactly. Yeah. Where your backup gives you that mobility factor, he seems to have a decent arm, but something's got to be there. I mean, Jim Harbaugh likes that he's a game manager in McCade. He likes that he doesn't turn over the ball a ton. But you know, if Michigan wants to talk about being different this year. You're going to play a very explosive Michigan State, a team in Michigan State that can be very explosive. You guys are yeah. very similar, but they have the ability to be very explosive. You're going to play an explosive Ohio State team. You're going to play a um, Penn State team that, if they clean some things up, can also be explosive. So I get the idea that you want to control the ball by running it and having the two-headed snake and then playing good defense, but at some point you're going to have to have some explosive plays in the offense, and I just don't know if they have that in the passing game. They have it in the run game, and their yes. defense is good, 
But that passing game, once again, it's in the right direction. This is why I'm saying the bye week comes perfect because there's so many things on tape that they can utilize this time to launch themselves into that next gear. They made McCade throw the ball a ton more this past game, which is really good. He they forced him to kind of go through his progressions. You know, he threw the ball 38 times. That's a that's a big leap. Like that's what you want to see if you're a Michigan fan. But to my other point, the as things change, there's there's a lot of similarities between this Michigan team and Michigan teams of past. I think they're a little bit better, but I still have concerns going into these bigger games. But the bye comes at a perfect time after this test. Yeah, yeah. The this the the recipe to beat Michigan, um, if you're a Northwestern, although I don't think you have the personnel to do no. it, um, is to make McNamara pass. If you can make him pass, you can beat them. But you also you have to live with the fact that Haskins or Corum. They're going to score a rushing touchdown. Just get that out. Limit those lanes as much as you can and get McNamara to pass. Um, he does not, you're right, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but if you can get on the pass, you can get three and outs. Yeah. Like he yeah, like he's had one turnover this season. That turnover last week was bad, but like he doesn't turn he doesn't he doesn't force much. He just takes what the defense gives him um and lives to live another down, which is fine. But that is, you know, that's gotta progress a little bit more if you want it to be yeah. a different season. In my opinion, it is going to be interesting to see the Michigan State bend don't break versus yes. the because if I'm Harbaugh, I don't let McNamara pass it at all against MSU, <laughs> and I just run it down their throat and see if that uh, defensive line can stand up to it because we have had some problems with trying to stop the run, um, but those problems have come because the quarterback has been mobile, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and that's why Nebraska, I think, gave the best baseline for both teams, to be honest. Like, yeah. you you got to see, you got the flaws in your defense, you got stuff on tape to improve upon. I agree with that sentiment. I also would um, echo what you said about their defensive personnel. It's much better. That secondary is getting... Vincent Gray, number yeah. four, has been... Impre- Every time oh. I watch the game, he seems to be getting better. They've got some good personnel. They can get pressure naturally with four. They are a problem, and it makes it super exciting when you look at this schedule because they've got Michigan State, Michigan, which we will break down in a very large segment on October for the October 30th pod. <laughs> well, it won't be October 30th, but that's the game. And then two weeks later, they play Penn State, and then they've obviously got Ohio State to wrap it up. Like, the Big Ten is headed for just some big time collisions. Bloodbath. Yeah, and in Michigan State's point, like you guys are, you guys are pretty much the same team. Just looking back at each other, I would say individual players. I give the edge, you know. And once again, we'll talk about this more in detail when we get to Michigan State. We'll talk about Michigan State here too. It'll, I'll give you some time there. But like Kenneth Walker, best back in the country. Like where Michigan has a two headed back, you guys have one, yeah. but he is better than both of those backs. I think Thorne is better. He, you know, he throws guys open. He anticipates better. You know, you've got some weapons on the outside, but as far as t- this is a team sport, I think you guys are damn near identical, <laughs> which I don't think either I, fan base wants to admit. But you no, guys are no, very I similar. I, I, I give the edge in defense to Michigan. Yeah, I would too. The, yeah, the edge in offense is so much higher for MSU. Yeah, your ceiling's way higher, I would say. But yeah. it's yeah, it's it, they're very similar. It's gonna be an awesome game. I can't wait for that. Yeah. But their their defense also proves the point. I forgot who's trying to make this point that like. When we're talking about pass, the sacks can be misleading. Like you'd be like, "Oh, they didn't get a lot of sacks," but if that they were pushing that quarterback out the pocket, the yep. sack really doesn't matter at no. that point. As long as you speed up that internal clock, yeah. that can be just as valuable as a sack. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, because I don't think Michigan really averages that many sacks, but they pass rush a lot. Yeah. With, like you said, only rushing four. Yep. They can get pressure yeah. with just their, their down four linemen, which is very, that's a huge, if you can do that, that's a huge advantage in games. Now, they still play more man than the, I would probably like to see because, like, 
That's just because they're Michigan. I know, and they all thought <laughs> they all thought it was going to change this year, and it has. They play more zone this year, but like the defensive coordinator is from the school of the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens love love nothing more than to blitz and play a lot of man. Now that to Michigan's credit, they are playing more zone, but like that is the nervous part when we get to Ohio State and stuff. We'll see. They're progress. Yeah. I would say. They're See, progressing in the right direction. Just like they're both, both these schools are progressing in like the perfect direction for like the biggest c- clash in a while. I feel like, like yeah, where it's really feels like. Just gotta stay clean. Yes. Just yeah. Gotta stay clean. Yeah. I agree. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait, and I can't wait for that pod for us to talk about. Oh yeah, well, it's gonna be in depth. Um, but shout out to Michigan State too, by the way. Fifth team in SBS history with a three hundred yard passer, two hundred yard rusher, and two hundred yard receiver in the same game. Against Rockers, um, they had themselves a day. Got to feel pretty good about your Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, we we it, it was a little nervous there. It took them. This is what I don't like about Michigan State, and I think what I have to come to the conclusion is when we start playing, we play to the level of our competition, and then something clicks where we say, "Wait a second, we're better than this." Yep. And sometimes that comes earlier. Or later than I would like. So with Western Kentucky, it came a lot later. But with Rutgers, it happened in the first half, kind of, and then the second half, it was just like, no, we're we have better personnel than this. Hundred percent agree. And, and yeah. th- the progress of that team has been really good. I-, I need to look at them a little bit more. I I rely mostly on you and Tim to to kind of break that down, <laughs> which I think is fair. But I will because anticipation. Like I've been watching them, but I need to break them down a little bit more on my end. But I would say the same thing. I've really liked the progression of Thorne as the quarterback from what I've seen from him. Like I said, he seems to be getting better at like throwing his guys open, reading the defense, anticipating a little bit better. Kenneth Walker Jr. is he's the best back in the country. I know we want to sit here and talk about Bijan Rajan uh, Robinson down at uh, Texas. It's not Texas. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's Kenneth I mean, Walker he, Jr. He's the best back in the country. Two hundred and thirty-three yards against Rutgers. I know Rutgers is Rutgers, but that's still a D one Big Ten football team with D one Big Ten football personnel to run to get over two hundred yards. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's absolutely insane. I mean he was the first to like nine hundred yards total in the season or whatever. Like, and the other thing people want to be like Robinson's great in open space. I'm sorry, have you seen Kenneth Walker in open space? The man cannot be tackled. Like this man is a monster um, when it comes to running the football. So he's the best yeah. back in the country without a doubt at this point. I know he has Speedy Naylor out there with two hundred twenty-one yep. yards De- receiving. Here's where I think so. The, they started to double Naylor, and so then we switched in and passed it to Reed a, a few times. We have not seen a game where they both have been good, right? Mm-hmm. Either one or the other has been good. Usually it's, it's Jaden Reed, but we know Naylor is is um, good, and, and Mosley is good too. What happens when Reed and Naylor are open consistently? Does Michigan State put up 50 points on you? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like, why their ceiling is so high. Like it, yeah, the ceiling yeah. is is very high for Michigan State. It's just it's being consistent and it's getting all the pieces working at the same time, which is yeah. is the struggle right now. But they've got time to figure it out, which is the nice thing I I would say. Yeah. Also, it's funny to hear them call uh, Darius Snow because that's Eric Snow's son. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's so funny. But he, uh, great. I think he's five for five in tackles. Yep. He was, yeah. Our, our defense, the defensive line is good. It's when you get past the defensive line that 
it becomes a little worry. And I when, I hate it. And I know every Michigan State fan hate the the bend don't break. But I'll be damned if they didn't hold Rutgers to uh, field goals in the red zone when they were supposed to. Yeah. So that's if fair. You're, I'll take the three and score six. I guess I'll take that exchange every time. Yeah. And I, I want to drive this point home real quick because, you know, there are so many people in sports media that are crowning Bijan Robinson like the king of the running back position. Just to give you just a comparison for those of you who maybe aren't in tune to what Kenneth Walker is doing at Michigan State, the man has 129 attempts. BJ Robinson, or BJ, I keep, I keep messing up that name. Uh, Bijan Robinson has 125. Yeah. There's a massive difference in production. He's only got 789 yards. Kenneth Walker has over 900 yards. He's averaging almost an, a yard, an entire yard um, per carry. He's also got more touchdowns. Like, the man is a monster. Not to say Robinson is bad by any stretch of imagination. I mean, they're, no. 1A, they're 1A and 1B at this point. But I do think that there's just way too many people that are out here not paying attention to what's going on with Kenneth Walker the third, and they're giving way too much credit because it's Texas and, you know, Michigan State, essentially, and, and the, the media and how they focus on that. But the man is an absolute monster of a back. Yeah. I... Yes, I like Robinson. And if you watched that Texas Oklahoma game, which I'm sure you did, uh, yes. And we can talk about that s- next, real quick, before we get into the games. But yes, <laughs> yeah, you saw how good he can be. Oh yeah. Um, and he does something that uh, Kenneth Walker does too that I don't think we really talk about is uh, pass protect. He pass protects very yep. well. Yes, he does. Um, and that is essential for our back that kind of um, we don't really talk about a lot especially in college we don't talk about a lot I think in the NFL you talk about it because you're not gonna you're not gonna get a back who can't pass for a yeah well you'd be surprised how many you know what skill set I was happy when my bucks got Gino Bernard Giovanni Bernard because he's a good he you know he's not afraid to get in there and throw a block which is nice but some some backs make a business decision in the NFL which is a an unfortunate time at, at points oh <laughs> um, true all right, last point before we get into some games. Texas, Oklahoma. Um, Lincoln Riley, you, you deserve to be jailed for what you made us go through with Spencer Rattler when you had Caleb Williams on the bench, who's one of the most electric players in all of college football, apparently. The moment he stepped on the field, game changer. Did you see that they closed uh, media availability for Oklahoma? Really? <laughs> yeah, so the rumor is that a student at Oklahoma got on top of a building and put in but not or put oh, binoculars. Yes. Uh, got binoculars, yeah. And uh saw that um Caleb Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams was throwing to first and to first team and that which McCall was throwing to second team. Um and so then they closed it. Apparently at Oklahoma they have dorms that butt up next to the practice field and at in those dorms the windows are covered with opaque uh, glass <laughs> again. It's another rumor, but apparently that is. I mean, I know football is serious money, but if my if I was a student and my dorm was right next to the practice, first of all, why aren't those dorms the football dorms? Fair question. Very Second fair all, question. I'm ripping that off. You're not gonna hinder me being able to look out the window. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Insane game. I was on the right side of Oklahoma. I love the Red River showdown. Um, but yeah, I was just so mad at Lincoln Riley because it's like, man, 
Caleb Williams is electric. He should have been the starter to begin with. I thought it was, I mean, I don't want to rag on the kid too much, but I did think it was kind of funny where his dad came out, Rattler's dad, and was like, well, we haven't made the decision if we're going to, if uh, he's going to test the NFL this year or not. I was like, I think that decision was made at about a one o'clock on Saturday. He ain't going to the NFL this upcoming year. I mean, he, to be honest, and this is not, I'm not being facetious. Should, should he go to Clemson? Sounds like he should go to Clemson. Honestly, he's a transfer, or I think Miami just found their new quarterback, one of the or, two. Yeah, Miami, <laughs> yeah like, I, I'm not, I'm really not being facetious. I'm, th- I'm thinking about what is best for him. And yeah, it's getting out of the same team. coverage. You could even, you could even go to Clemson and just run the table there. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing with Spencer. He's not a bad quarterback. He's just not great. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. And and the other problem too is like the the Oklahoma offense it's somewhat built around a more mobile quarterback and he's just not as mobile. He doesn't give that mobile threat there. Um and he doesn't play he, the other problem that Spencer the big one of the biggest problems I think Spencer has is he's not as mobile and he believes he can hit a home run play almost in every play so he doesn't yes. he doesn't play he's within the, for the system big play every yeah time. he doesn't play yes. within the system and he's not a Kyler Murray or a Baker Mayfield who has the mobility or a Caleb Williams to extend plays and make that home run play all the time and he just if he played more in the system i think he'd be a lot better but that's sort of yeah. that's my read on him and that's, you know what that's a coaching thing yes he can't, he's he's not able to shake his high school cuz every play was big exactly right? and he was on that tv show like he's got somewhat of yeah. a big ego from the sense of it from what i can yeah. gather uh, since watching him um it it does seem that way which was a risk going into the season that we knew about when we when i placed that prop at night i kind of um brought it up on this show but yeah it's he's not bad it's just you know he's not doing he's not doing the things that would make you a successful quarterback at oklahoma essentially yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying i think honestly i really do think that he should uh yeah, he should test the water somewhere. He should be transferring. I <laughs> agree. Oh, he's hitting that transfer portal. <laughs> yeah. That's happening. Um, yeah, it should be a crime that Williams was sitting on the bench. Um, also, it should be a crime for that last defensive call that Texas made. Like, how were you not? It literally was the, the biggest hole. Bullied. I'm, just bullied. Like playing for a field goal and just rips off a touchdown. I loved it because I had Oklahoma big that day, um, but you know, lucked out on that one. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. That's Texas. Texas, Texas made some questionable. Like we knew Oklahoma was going to make questionable play calls because they're Oklahoma. Texas, not dissimilar from Nebraska, made some play calls both on offense and defense when it counted. That I left me scratching my head. Like what? What are you doing? Yeah, I, I, I think if you're a Texas fan, I would take stock in the fact that I think Stark is going to have them going in the right direction for the first time in a long time. But yeah, it's some things that need to get cleaned up. Um, and also, it'd be interesting to see what happens when he gets his personnel um, in there because it's his first year. But I think Texas is rolling in the right direction. But yeah, to your point, it's... You know, it's the first time in the red. I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that maybe up to you know first time Red River showdown, big moment. It just kind of got the best of Stark a little bit because he was calling a really good game up yes. until kind of later in that game. So I think if you're a Texas fan, you take stock in the fact that things seem to be going in the right direction. The moment may have just been a little too big for the first time um, for that coaching staff, which it happens. You know, I'd rather have that than have it be a complete disaster from start to finish and being like, oh, God, what do we have here on our hands? So, you know, I think it's in the right direction, at least. Yeah, you want to jump into these games for the week? Let's do it. Recapping. 
Let's um let's just start with an easy one. We've already talked about it a little bit, so I think it'll go pretty quick. Michigan State, Indiana, four and a half. You guys are the favorite. Um, this is not an uneasy test. Like these are the Big Ten is great. Where like if you have a bad day, you can slip. Like Iowa, if Wisconsin stinks, but if they go into Madison and they're not on their their t or their they don't cross their eyes and dot their t's, you know, you can find yourself in any. Big Ten kind of stadium on the road in a in a problem spot. I don't think that's going to happen here, but I'd I'd like to hear your thoughts. And we've covered Michigan State pretty well today so far, but like I like to hear the thoughts uh, as far as Indiana Michigan State go. Yeah, uh, Michigan State. This Rutgers felt like this. Indiana kind of feels like this too. Or this could be a trap game. The only reason I'm going to say that is not is because Indiana's defense isn't. It's not great. No. <laughs> it's, it's not great at all. So I think Michigan State realistically is going to win an uncomfortably close game in this with saying that I don't know who Indiana is going to roll out there for quarterback. Um, I know Penix is hurt, but he is also he also made pet play. And he is uh, he is designed for the bend don't break, meaning that once we put him in the red zone, he's going to break. Michigan State. So if we let him get there, he is going to score. With that said, Thorne is also as explosive as you said, and we have um, Reed and Naylor. So Michigan State is going to score. This may look like a Big 12 football, like an old school Big 12 football game where it's just no one is being stopped. Now, there's a caveat to that. If Indiana rolls out their backup quarterback and Michigan State is able to get to him a couple of times, I think it's over. And it becomes one of those things where Michigan State just has to manage their lead, kind of like what they did against Western Kentucky. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Uh, I think if you're betting on this, uh, the under is 48 and a half. You can do with that with, with what you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, this is not going to find its way into my card, I don't believe. But, yeah, I think the side is probably Michigan State just because there is that – potential for a backup quarterback situation here as well as i i would rather be i would rather be holding a michigan state ticket than an indiana ticket but i it's i could see that going that way of just it's a close kind of battle here um uncomfortably close but yeah i just i think the team michigan state is clearly the better team and i think i think indiana is really just betting on the home crowd to kind of pump them up there um, and sticking it early, but yeah, long term. Don't be surprised if you don't see if you see a lot of green shirts on TV. This is true. This is very I, true. I, the other thing that in the, you brought this up at the beginning of the season, but I think this is a testament to Mel Tucker is people believe in Mel Tucker, and so now fans are willing to travel. And that even when we had very good teams under D'Antonio, that still was an issue for yeah. MSU to travel but you're not really seeing even at the Rutgers game there was more MSU fans than I have seen in the past I'd agree with that yeah no it's the the Tucker effect is in full effect here like there is a there's a belief and an energy within the program and the fan base um, that is making them travel within Big Ten country um, and is kind of breathing life back into the program I want to know if there's a prop bet out there uh, for will Michigan State run the flea flicker against Indiana <laughs> I don't know if there's that, but uh, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a that prop bet, but that would be an interesting one. If I ran a sports book, we could do it. Call up, call up one of them and tell them to put that out there. I don't know how they price that, but yeah, <laughs> I would, I would like that. That'd be a fun little prop. I love me a good prop bet for uh, the season. It makes the game a little bit more invigorating. Yeah. And uh, it's like a, 
there's a it's low stakes, right? On a, a prop deck like that. Yeah. 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 You don't put <laughs> you don't put, you put a lot of there. Yeah, don't put a bunch of money. No. Nah. Uh keep your prop betting sane. Um yeah. could uh, So we want to talk about Army in Wisconsin? No. <laughs> oh god. What a put glass in my eyeballs type of game. Um <laughs> Kentucky, Georgia. Lines at twenty two yes. and or twenty one and a half, I apologize. Over under forty four and a half. The team total for Kentucky, last I checked, was nine and a half. Um, what are our thoughts going into this game? With a as we said earlier, you know, Georgia is the most complete team in, in the country. They're the most elite team in the country. What are we feeling in this game and in, in, in what the elements here that we're looking at? Kentucky does not have a good enough offense to give Georgia fits. I 100% agree with that statement. The Kentucky's a very good team. Don't get me wrong. Yes. And we saw Florida got firsthand. <laughs> was it? They were front row seats today. Yep. Their, their offense, though, is traditional. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it relies heavily on the run, and you're going against a Georgia team that is not going to allow you to run the ball. They have to have the run to get the – Will Levis, if you're having Levis win you the game, you're in trouble at Kentucky. Um, now, to Kentucky's point, and, you know, last week we talked about the battle within the game and how the Auburn game was a really critical point – or I talked about it, I apologize um, – because I did a solo pod last week, that that was a critical game to watch the offensive line for Auburn to get a good baseline of where they're at because they have some trouble there, and that's the most physical defensive line they're going to play. The inverse is true here for this game in that this is the best baseline that Georgia fans and the, the media is going to get of seeing how good that Georgia defensive line is because the, the Kentucky offensive line is good, and we are going to get to see how well they go against a, a pretty damn good Kentucky offensive line. But the problem, yeah. once again, is... Kentucky needs to run the ball to have offense, and they're not going to be able to do this in the game, and I think Georgia's going to eat them alive. Their secondary is going to eat them alive. Um, well, no, Robinson's great, great wide receiver, but you just can't rely on Levis here in that point. Um, and I think the, the, the Kentucky defense is a little overrated, to be honest. They're good, but I think people are overrating them a little bit. I don't see a way in which Kentucky can really mount a big fight. And I have been a huge Kentucky supporter. I think Mark Stoops is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. I've said that for a couple years now. I would love him at the Virginia Tech job. I don't think they're going to be able to pry him away. Uh But if they get rid of Fuente, who had one of the worst coaching decisions in a while at the end of that game in Notre Dame, lost me some nice money. Hey, Will Fuente, do some quick math here. You go for two. You make it a (laughs) two-score game instead of kicking a field goal, which keeps it in a one-score game at the end of the game. What are you doing? Very basic stuff. We pay you. You can pay millions of dollars to make just bad decisions, um, like elementary math stuff. Tom Brady is absolutely cooking right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Live update. Right. Uh, um, right. I've got I've got the Bucks game on on the other screen. Um, but yeah, I just I don't see Kentucky putting up much of a fight, and I, I do think Georgia kind of covers this number, even though it's a big number. I just I yeah. I can't find a way where Kentucky scores points in this game. I just can't do it. So yeah, here's the number that makes me just say that this game, and I know statistics are statistics. Kentucky ranks 28th in rush defense, which is excellent. Georgia ranks 4th. Kentucky is going to try to run the ball against the 4th ranked rush defense. Yep. I think that's your game, ladies and gentlemen. That, think, yeah. yeah, that's it. You, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. and, and the thing about Georgia... And, and, and it speaks to how good Kentucky's defense is. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia, this won't be an easy day for Georgia running the ball. The the issue being, unlike Kentucky, Georgia isn't one-dimensional. 
Correct. And the problem for Kentucky is while they have a good run defense, the back end is a little susceptible, and they have yet to play a passing offense. And even with a backup quarterback in Stenson Bennett, that is very proficient and doesn't have their number one wide receiver. They got their their tight end back in Darnell Washington, who's coming back from an injury, a foot injury, but they are still able to push the ball. And that is something that I would also be interested in. When we watch this game, is does Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart open it up early in the game and on early downs? Do they kind of try to push the ball against that secondary? Because that'll be big for this. Yeah, destroy Kentucky's uh, confidence early. Yep, you. Ha- I think that's the best plan of attack, and it's the weak spot on that Kentucky defense because you know they're going to be able to run the ball, but like you said, Kentucky has a decent run defense. It's the whole defense that I think is a little overrated because I don't think people are focusing on enough on their secondary, and I do think the mismatches there between just pure talent um, is where can, where Georgia can really kind of put some pain on early. Yeah, I, I think Georgia. Georgia wins this game easily. I mean, 21 and a half, is that what you just said? Yeah, 21 and a half is yeah, the spread. I, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, yeah. All righty. The next game, and this total is a doozy. Old Miss, Tennessee at night in Rocky Top, 7.30 p.m. game under the lights. Old Miss is a two and a half point favorite. Over under is 83 and a half. A mammoth. Please explain <laughs> to me why the hell 83 points is crazy. Why is it 83 points? It's insanity. Um, two reasons that I, if you're an over better like myself, that you want the over and why it's so high, there's two things. One, Tennessee and Ole Miss are the two fastest-paced offenses in college football right now. Uh, number two, we do not have a Milton showing. We have a hooker showing in Tennessee. He runs the offense way more proficiently. And number three, as we saw in that Arkansas game, Ole Miss has zero defense, and Tennessee has a very susceptible defense to what Matt Corral and Ole Miss um, and Lane Kiffin can do. So I think that would be your kind of three-point breakdown as to why this over is so high. But it is so high that, like, I can't. I want to take the under, but I also do not want that under ticket. I want, I want that over to hit, and I do not want to be rooting against that. What a great throw to OJ Howard, too, by the way, by Tom Brady. Beautiful throw. This All is right. one of those ones. So, like, I don't bet a lot, ladies and gentlemen. But I think I'm gonna take the under in one on one betting app and the over in another. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It's very fair. Um, as far as the game goes, I don't have a side in it. Um, I think Old Miss is probably the better team, but man, it's hard for me to believe in Tennessee right now. But uh, it's something we talked about when Tennessee was playing Florida, and they stayed in the numbers while Hooker was at quarterback. He adds another dimension, but it, it's to the point, sort of like the Chiefs in the NFL, where I can't, I can't bet the Chiefs because they barely cover, and they just they have to prove it to me that they can get separation, and that's the same thing here. I'm not well, picking a side. Thing. Yeah, and also with Tennessee, the same thing that they're doing to the Chiefs. If you double their receivers, I, the quarterback is great, but he is—he sometimes has an issue with like passing in tight, tight yep. spaces. Yeah. Well, I said on the NFL show last week, and I doubled down this week. The Chiefs are the Oklahoma of the NFL. Like they just pummel it on on offense, and they play a bend don't break style on defense, and hope that they play with a lead so the defense doesn't be pushed. But they don't have a lick of defense. They are. A, Terrible, terrible defense. The like, if you're not listening to the NFL show, people, make sure you hop onto that NFL show because we give you great stuff there. But yeah. it's bad for the Chiefs. <laughs> what did, you said it was Ole Miss two and a half. Yeah, Ole Miss is a two and a half point favorite right now. Is the number I'm getting. This sounds like a game. I mean, I don't bet. This sounds like a game. I just don't want to bet at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying away from it. But I couldn't. <laughs> I don't want to be holding the under ticket on what could be a historic over. Like over, that's just yeah. not a ticket. But I would not. I wouldn't bet this game. 
at all. But if you know, if there are listeners out there that want to bet this game, like gun to my head, that is what I would, I would, I would put almost nothing on it, and I would totally take the over and just let it ride. But you are screwed if there's a couple stops. But um, yeah, like a forty-one, what forty-one forty-five or something. Oh man, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, alrighty. There's a couple other games on the schedule. UCLA Washington's kind of interesting. It's a one and a half point spread over under fifty four and a half. That's a that's an interesting matchup. I have not been a, a a fan of the Washington program in the direction they're heading, but it's it's an intriguing matchup uh, going into this week. I, it's I never know what to do with the Pac twelve. It's the fun of the Pac-12. We did say it was going to be very entertaining this year. (laughs) Yeah. This is going to be one of those games that it's going to be like 17-21 or like 21-24. It's going to be one of these types of games. I think um, UCLA's offense is much better than the Huskies' defense. Yes, I agree with, with that. With that said, UCLA's defense isn't something that I would bet on either. Yeah. I'm saying this to say that both teams are going to score. It's going to be a Pac-12 game. Both teams are going to score. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's going to be a Pac-12 game. It's a fair. Uh, uh, Washington is just not consistent, right? I think that's the issue with Washington. They show flashes. Yeah. It, it, well, they're also just like this, like run and try to beat the brakes off you with the running game, and it's just like it's twenty twenty one. You've got to bring it in to the twenty first century a little bit and and open it up, which they they have at times, but they're just not they're not consistent enough in that area. Yeah, I think. It, well, how don't you cover with what is it <laughs> one and a half? One and a half. Yeah. yeah, I guess you take UCLA. That's where I'd probably go. It's not on my yeah. card, but that that's where I would go with it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's an inter- th- we're talking about this game because it's an interesting matchup. If you're a college football junkie, this is a game that you watch. Correct. At night, this yeah. is a game you watch, and it's a fun game at 830 to just, you know, pop on yeah. um, and see what's going on. I agree. There's another fun game in the Pac-12, too. Arizona State, Utah has huge implications for those listeners that rode with me on the Utah uh, future here. This is a big one for us. It's at Utah. <laughs> This is a this is an interesting game. There are so many dynamics here. I here's the thing I will say: uh, the backup uh, rising, uh, who is replacing Charlie Brew at Utah, has played surprisingly decent for my expectations. But this is Arizona State is playing hot. Their offense is rolling. It's humming. Utah's defense is once again very good. It's a, it's a classic matchup here. I think the fact that it's in Utah gives Utah the the slight edge because that is such a big home field advantage. Um, but it's a very interesting game at the 10 o'clock spot if you're up late like myself trying to catch some football games. Is this not a toss-up? This is a toss-up, right? Yeah, I mean, the line it's a pick em. Like, the line's .5, oh, okay. so it's, it's a yeah, pick em I, game. So, look, I, I didn't look up anything. Just knowing the teams, I was like, this game has to be a, a toss-up. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 100% nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, Utah? Like you said, I guess I agree with you. You talk because they're at home, but I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona State goes in goes in there and wins big, maybe because they are they're rolling on offense. Yes, they're they're like, offense. They're but rolling. Yeah, like the UCLA and Washington game, both of these teams' defense are just okay. 
Yeah, I, I think the the secondary for Utah is pretty decent. But yeah, it's not. I would say this. Yeah, I had high. I yeah, I was gonna say I had higher expectations for the total defense at Utah. I don't think they've hit their ceiling just yet. I think there's okay. they can be better. But yeah, I'd agree with that. They're not as good uh, totally as I would like them to be, especially yes. heading into the season. They were that was a large reason I cashed that prop bet. I thought Charlie Brewer added a dimension to the Utah offense that they hadn't had. But Rising has stepped in and, and played very well in, in the passing game. And then the defense was going to be very firm and hold up like a classic Utah defense. There are some holes there. There have been some challenges there. But, um, yeah, I, I think they have they have a higher ceiling than what they're reaching right now. And this game is the perfect... Like, this is such an important game. It's the linchpin, I would say, to the season. Not entire. Well, I shouldn't say that because if they lose it, they can still get there. But, like, this is a big, big game um, in, in the grand schemes of how the Pac-12 is going to unfold. Yeah. I'm looking at these Utah stats. They're not great. No, no. <laughs> no. But they have a... There's a higher ceiling that they can reach. They're just not... They're just not getting there right now. But the, yeah, the actually, Arizona present. State's defense defensive stats are better, but now I do have to look at their schedule to see. They're not bad. Antonio Pierce is their defensive coordinator. Does a good job. We'll see what happens with the, the allegations and who kind of gets, you know, thrown into the bus there. I yes. have a feeling I feel have a feeling uh Antonio Pierce is gonna be the guy who gets thrown under the bus, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um last game to have an, I have a note on, but um I don't know if you have any others. Oklahoma State, Texas Minus four and a half, over under 60 and a half. We did a decent job of covering Texas. Oklahoma State, defense. if you are not a, a college football junkie or you haven't really been paying attention, Oklahoma State is completely flipped. They're no longer an offensive team. They're a defensive football team, which is shocking. I think the defense is a little overrated because they haven't played anybody offensively. I do think this is a spot. You know, The hard part about this game is what is the letdown from the Red River, um, which does matter in college football. But yeah. I think that to Texas's point, because the way that the Big 12 works, they don't have divisions and sides. So it's just the top two teams at the end of the year play in the championship. Texas is by no means out of it right now. Like They just need to keep winning, and they'll have a shot to replay Oklahoma down the road. So I think that helps motivate them. But there is that part that there could be an emotional letdown here, and Oklahoma State has a decent defense. It's ranked very high, but they haven't played anybody offensively, so I'm not giving too much credit just yet. I, if Texas doesn't have a letdown, so here's my here's my uh, call of the week. If Texas does not have a letdown from the Oklahoma game, I think they beat the doors off of Oklahoma State. And here's why: Oklahoma State's defense, great, it is stellar. They don't turn they don't turn teams over though, so that's an issue. And their offense, while we just ragged on Michigan and we ragged on Iowa for a little bit, Oklahoma State's offense is the definition of one-dimensional. Terrible, dude. I heard a report that they spent their bye week going over, like, f- very fundamental just, like, football, like, basics, like, footwork at the quarterback position. And, like, very simple things because they – like, that's a terrible – like, the bye week should be installing new things and, like – playing off where you're at like they had to take a step back during their bye week apparently to just go over some very basic concepts um it's bad um yeah i i <laughs> during michigan state season last year a similar report came out that they had to teach <laughs> basics to kids <laughs> yeah. so a bit on that side um yeah oklahoma kicks a lot of field goals Oklahoma State, I'm sorry, kicks a lot of field goals and still doesn't make a lot of field goals. So that's another issue. I, truly, I know it's, it's Texas by four. Uh, 
I I don't see. I think te- I think Texas gets a big win over number twelve Oklahoma State here. I do too, and I I think I think for those that are fearful of that letdown mentality spot, I think once again it's you know they do a good job of cleaning the slate, but also the fact that like this isn't other conferences where like if you lose to a team on your side of the division, like your yeah. your your shots at the championship are done. Like you can easily play your way back into the Big Twelve championship and play your way back into the national spotlight. So like by no means is the season lost. And I think that helps a team like Texas that is younger, you know, overcome that emotional letdown spot. And just more explosive. Like I think Texas Oklahoma's Oklahoma's deep Oklahoma State's defense is Stout, I think Texas has a more explosive offense and it will overcome that. Also, if you're deep, it, I don't care. Unless you're Iowa. This is not true for Iowa. Iowa's defense could stay on the field the <laughs> whole time. Insanity. The whole time. They could. But I don't think Oklahoma State's defense can stay on the field forever and eventually they'll get tired. Again, do not take that same sentiment to Iowa. It is not true for Iowa. They will stay out there. They, they will play the game just defense if they have to. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's crazy how they do that. Um, They need to get some offense going. It's bad. I'm actually... Imagine, imagine if they just had a halfway decent. Yeah. Well, honestly, I'm under the opinion now that the quarterback play isn't as bad as like we believe it to be. It's as bad as the way it is because the, the offense is scheme, and oh my God, was that an insane catch. Um, Oh, great. Richard Sherman's injured. Awesome. Okay. Um, The... Uh, it's just the scheme is so bad. Like the scheme is like back in the stone age. So it hinders. I'm not saying it's great, but like it just hinders their production offensively, especially in the past game. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting spot for Iowa. Those are the only games I had this week. It's a pretty low week. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to cover before we no, get out the cards. Just that does, is TCU a trap game for Oklahoma? I don't think so. TCU is bad right now. Um, yeah. I don't think so, but it's going to be interesting to see what Caleb Williams is in a non-mega game. Like that's rivalry, a mega game rivalry. Adrenaline's really high, which is a credit to him that he came in and managed it so well. But coming as a backup, you don't have the pressure of the starter. You're not handed the reins yet. Like there is a freedom to play pretty free as a backup. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like. But Texas, the TCU is bad. They're in a bad spot. I don't know what like. It's just not good. That that program's sort of falling off a cliff. Yeah. Um, Tim did send us our car, his card, so I'll read that off for the listeners because he's not able to join us today. He's got Syracuse plus 13.5 against Clemson. I will also have that. I can't miss a spot to bet Syracuse in that situation. Texas, Oklahoma State. Wait, wait, wait. So taking Syracuse? Yeah, he's taking Syracuse plus 13.5. Okay. Yep. Uh, Texas over, uh, Texas Oklahoma State over at sixty. Rutgers minus two against Northwestern. Kentucky plus twenty two at Georgia. Um, he said way too many points. Very short card for the pot. So that's Tim's input on the on the day. <laughs> really, he took the Texas Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State over. Yeah, over. Yeah, I think he, he I think he forgot o- Oklahoma State doesn't know how to play offense anymore. <laughs> now I gotta see what. <laughs> What did they score in their last? They're six and zero, right? Uh, are they six and zero? I thought they had a They're loss not. somewhere in they there. They might have had a loss. Yeah, I might be now wrong. I gotta see. Now I have to see. Uh, pause for a Google. <laughs> Throw it in the Google search. Um, no, they do not. I mean, they're a good football team, but no, I don't think they do. They, they beat Baylor. 20, 31. 24. I guess they can put up 20 points, I guess. 
So oh. maybe Tim, yeah, maybe Tim was on to something. We'll see. I mean, the Texas defense is not not stellar either, so nah. he might be on to something. We'll see. We, we, tipped over. Yeah, we can give him crap uh, next week if it if it really goes under there. Yeah, I guess yeah. If they score twenty, if they score at least twenty four, and then Texas scores a lot more, then yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I've got a uh, Clemson plus thirteen and a half. My card's short right now. I will add to it. I just got to look at some other things, but we're going. We're going uh, Clem or uh, Syracuse plus thirteen and a half. I'm thinking about the BC game. I love BC. They've been such Syracuse and BC are my teams that I bet and I just hit on. By the way, too. Also, you need to make sure you're following the at Trophy Kids Pod uh, Twitter handle because I tweet out gut picks day of three and zero on the gut picks this year. Haven't missed a gut pick. Just watch. I probably just jinx myself, but we are three and zero on those picks. Um, pure gut plays. Um, I've got. Who did I say earlier? Oh, I got Georgia minus 21 and a half. I've got Texas minus four and a half. Um, and that's it for right now. Very small sample yeah. size. But it's I'm just. I'm looking at the, the Big 12 here. Oh, and Utah. So, Sorry. Utah money line. But, oh, yeah. Utah money yeah. line. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma undefeated. And then. The drop off. I mean, it's Baylor and Texas, and then after that, like, I guess because like Iowa State is kind of having a letdown year when we thought that they would have a great year, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the. I'm saying all this to say when Oklahoma and Texas leaves, I know Cincy is going to join. It's an interesting spot to be in. Hey, yeah. Does is this a good move for Cincinnati? <laughs> I think it's a good move in that you're stepping up in class and that may allow you to keep your coaching situation intact until Michigan drops a very heavy bag or Ohio State day leaves for the NFL. But I think that's the positive. But, yeah, I don't – because I don't know what other league you're going to get into um, at this point until we have – Yeah, until we have the collapse. Well, because I know it sucks for Cincy too right now because, like, UCF – um, but Houston's picking yeah. up the slack a little bit. But they're Houston, playing good. Yeah. Um, yeah and SMU. Kind of they're playing decent. I just forget about SMU. <laughs> Are they, is SMU the only team that got a death penalty? Has any other team yeah. had a death penalty? Yeah. yeah. Um, I always forget about it. thought Louisville SMU. basketball was going to get one there for a hot second, but... <laughs> that's a, that's a different po- That's a different conversation for a different podcast, yeah, for a maybe. different podcast. Uh, we'll talk about that more, but yeah. Okay, we digress. A little digression. It happens. Yeah. We, that, t- Nate needs to watch his his books play. I agree. Uh, we're getting. So we should get out of here. We're gonna get out of here. Plus, we've already gone over the hour for the listeners. We appreciate your support. Love you for that. That's the card. I will add to it. Make sure you're following us at Trophy Kids Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, to make sure you're getting all of our content. But we're gonna keep the card small this week. We're gonna we're gonna aim sm- we're aim aiming small, miss small. That's that's the philosophy this week. Aim small, miss small okay. is hopefully what we got here. So that's what we're all going right. with. That's how we're rolling. Make sure to check out the NFL episode too. We've been very hot in the NFL, which has been nice. Winners, winners all day. But hopefully we keep that train going and I don't just curse myself here. Um, and we got a war coming in the state of Michigan in a couple weeks. Gonna break that down extensively. Um, but thank you for tuning in and as always, peace. Peace. Boom.